I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, where Washington over the weekend defeated Montana 63-7, to and the game wasn't even that close. Uh, they seem to have it in hand pretty much pretty early. Is that what you saw, Chris? Well, yeah. I mean, it was I mean, it was so much better than Rutgers right off the bat because, you know, they were able to score right on the first drive, which is something that, you know, we used to expect all of last year. They pretty much did it every game last year. And then on top of that, even though they gave up a couple first downs and a, and a pretty lengthy drive uh, to Montana on their first possession, they were able to force a punt, which was – so that was 180 degrees difference from um, the way things started out at Rutgers, which was obviously a very slow start. So in that sense, they were able to achieve some things immediately you know, to, to kind of right the ship in, in, in that direction. And then also, um, you know, again – I don't know why teams are punting to Dante Pettis, but again, that was kind of the spark that really got things going for Washington again. And, and, you know, right at the very, very end of the first quarter, you know, literally time is ticking off and there's no time left in the first quarter. And here he is running for daylight and scores a touchdown. So um, again, special teams, huge factor. And, and, and this time I think you can say uh, reasonably speaking, all three phases were right on point. Uh, Jake Browning running as much as he did. A little nervous with that? No, I think to be honest with you, I think that's a sign to me, at least, you know, now having seen him, you know, start, you know, whatever, close to 30 games, you can say that, um, you know, I think that's a sign that he's proactive in the game and he's focused and he's, and he's doing something with his legs to try to get something happen instead of rolling out of the pocket and just throwing it out of bounds. I mean, when you're upstairs, yes. and, you're upstairs and you can see the whole field, are you seeing – tell me what you're seeing when you're looking up there. You, Like I said, you can see the whole field. Are the receivers getting open? Is he not seeing them? What's going on there? Well, I think you can do, look at two things. First of all, you can look at the receivers starting to get open, but then you can also kind of see Jake kind of patting the ball – and doing some hitching with his feet, and and you can just you can tell he's clearly not trusting his eyes right away. And you know these are things that as the season goes along and he sees them enough time in real, uh, you know, real speed, these are things that might change. But right now you can tell he's hitching. He's not one hundred percent confident in what he's seeing right off the bat. But guys are getting open. I mean, when the offensive line was giving him time. He was finding tons of space out there. Yeah, it, it, like I said, I wasn't, you know, my son got married this weekend. I wasn't at the game, but I'm just seeing that he's, you know, scanning the field. And maybe it is true. He's not trusting his eyes. You know, uh, I don't know if it has to do something with the lack of John Ross out there getting deep. No size with the wide receiver or quite a bit of the small guys out there. But, you know, to me, it's a little concerning that he seems to be tucking the ball more often than he did last year. I've not seen it as a concern simply because I know it's very early in the season. And I know he's been taught and and really, um, you know, put in a situation where he just doesn't want to make unforced errors. And he doesn't want to make those mistakes early. And so, but you, you can see when he is scrambling and he is looking downfield, he's certainly not hesitating. Like he's done it a couple times in the, in the first two games where he's found the tight ends that they've gone to the sidelines and then they angle back into the field of play and he throws balls on a dime. He did it to sample uh, against uh, Rutgers for a big play. And he did it uh, to Will Disley who drug a guy all the way to the one yard line. So he, he is finding guys, and when they make their breaks, there's certain situations where 
He's being really um, anticipatory, and he's finding guys, and he's throwing darts to them. But he's just not necessarily doing that right off the pocket. And, again, I think it's always a combination of both things. Maybe the guys aren't getting the separation that he likes, but then again, you know, he is hesitating too. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to say exactly what he's seeing, but from his vantage point, he's not seeing the separation that he likes. Going into the season, the offensive line was supposed to be one of the strengths of the team. They lost Jake Eldrin Camp at uh, left guard, who was an all-conference player right now. um, They've got Jesse Sosaby in there, who won the battle over Andrew Kirkland. Uh, Tell me what you're seeing out of Jesse Sosaby. Well, I'm just seeing a guy who, you know, has had starts in the last, you know, he's had starts before this year. And so, you know, he is a guy that they would consider a veteran and a guy that has experience. And I think he's just kind of getting into the role and getting his feet wet as a starter. And, you know, he's playing against a really good guy in Trey Adams who he can learn from as well. So I've not seen anything that would tell me he's not capable of doing it and he's not capable of doing exactly what Jake Eldercamp did last year. I mean, he's a big guy. He's 6'4", 6'5", 310, 315 pounds, and he can move guys around when he needs to. It's simply a matter of, of getting those live reps and doing it in game speed and making sure he can do it consistently game in and game out. And, you know, we'll obviously see how much improvement he makes from, um, you know, from Montana to Fresno next weekend. But I expect every single game he's just going to get a little bit better and a little bit better. It's interesting to watch the offense right now. And like I said, I've been calling it the preseason for a while, but they're not riding one horse at running back or wide receiver. They're really spreading the ball around. I think Washington has six guys score. Um, it could have even been seven, but uh, they're really spreading it around. Miles Gaskins not getting a ton of carries. Neither is LeVon Coleman. Uh, no wide receiver is real dominating out there. They're really spreading the ball around, Chris. Yeah, actually, they had eight guys score. Okay. Yeah, but. But one of them was on defense, and you know, so and then also the leading uh, guy on the ground was Savon Ahmed. Yeah. And I think if people, if you would ask people who they would like to have seen be the leading ground gainer against Montana, they would have said Savon Ahmed. Not so much because they thought he was the best running back available, but because he would be getting twenty carries because Washington would be ahead fifty to nothing at halftime, right? So. Yeah, but he only got 50-some yards, but they ran for well over 200. So that'll tell you the balance that they had, like you said, and and the fact that not only did the first team offensive line open up some holes for Gaskin and LeVon Coleman and those guys, but then the second team offensive line, so you're you're looking at Andrew Kirkland at left tackle, you're looking at Luke Wattenberg at left guard, you're looking at Matt James at center, you're looking at Devin Burleson, the 6'8", guy who used to be right tackle is now playing right guard inside. And then you've got Henry Roberts at right tackle, who used to really play on the left side. Those guys opened up enough holes for Savon Ahmed and Sean McGrew, and they both scored their first career touchdown. So in that sense, you really couldn't have uh, had a better uh, debut for those guys in terms of doing what they did at Husky Stadium, and it really bodes well for the future. You know, it's bad when we have to – well, no, it's good when we start talking about the quarterback, uh, backup quarterback, but let K.J. Carter-Samuels look more comfortable and confident than I've ever seen him. He only threw two passes, but he sure looked in command of the offense out there as well. Well, and you talk about separation – um, I can't remember exactly who it was. If it was Bacelli or someone else, I couldn't remember. Oh, I think it was Quinton Pounds was who he found with on that slant. But it was, you know, I mean, that was clear separation. And he threw that slant on the dime with 
uh, pace, and you know he was able to get get Quinton Pounds in stride, and he was able to get downfield and hurdle the guy, and and it was a great looking play. And so yeah, there's no doubt when you can make passes like that, and you just sit back there and you can tap the ball and throw it where you want to throw it. Yeah, you're going to look a lot better than you did maybe last year. On the defensive side of the ball, the emotional, physical leader of the defense was back on the field in Azeem Victor. Didn't play a ton. I don't know if that had to do with getting back in game shape or just the game being in command. Oh, I'm sure it's a little bit of both. I don't I don't think – well, let's put it this way. I, I know there was no reason for him to play uh, an unnecessary amount of snaps. I mean, yeah, you want to get him uh, hitting again and you want to get him – uh, back into game speed and game shape and all that stuff. But the bottom line is they had their three rotations at the inside. They had him and, you know, Keyshawn Vieria, his normal running guy. And then you had Azeem, and you'd also have him uh, with Ben Burkirvin, who obviously uh, took his spot at Rutgers and did a great job. And then you had uh, BBK with uh, Keyshawn as well. So just rotating those three guys around, that's, again, building depth, building for the future. And getting him back in and getting some hits and, and getting back to the way he used to do business, that's only going to bode well for Washington. But he doesn't need to do it against Montana. He needs to do it against Colorado and going forward. So there was no reason for him to play, you know, 60, 70 snaps. Azeem Victor's throwing guys around like a rag doll times, but the the guy who, uh, if I'm on the opposition, that is scaring me because he seems to be getting a, a running start at these guys. Boy, is Ezekiel Turner playing physical football right now. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, is, that, <laughs> is that a question, or is that just a statement? I don't know if you agree or not, but on special well, teams, he special may be team. he may be yeah. Pac-12 special teams player of the year. And the way he ragged all that one guy and just threw him down, it's just, oh my god, Ezekiel Turner. And he was doing it last year. Well, no, yeah, he was doing it last year, but special teams player of the year. Come on, Dante Pettis, two punt returns in the first two games. Come on. But I'm telling <laughs> you, if you if you want if you want to see who's a tone setter in terms of that opening kickoff or what have you, you're looking at an Azeem Victor, you're looking at an Azeem Turner, you're looking at a Keyshawn B area, you're looking at those guys, Jojo McIntosh, who have the reputation. Taylor Rapp did it against Montana. He, you know, his first two uh, tackles and special teams uh, against Montana on kickoffs, big hits. So, you know, he's starting to get the reputation too. Yeah, it just looks like that uh, defensive backfield, all those guys back there just playing with an edge, playing physical. And another guy on Dante Pettis' kickoff return, Camilo Eifler, the redshirt freshman, came down and made a really nice block. Yes, no doubt. And then he obviously got some turns um, at the one, inside one of the inside linebacker spots near the end of the game. And I kind of noticed that, you know, he's going to have to get out of the habit of, of just thinking that he can just put a shoulder into guys. He needs to wrap guys up and take them to the ground. And so... You know, Camilo is, is still a very, very young player, and he's still obviously got some lessons to learn. But, man, physically, he sure looks the part. And I know he's going to learn and grow as he gets more turns. Again, you know, this week the uh, starters, they played, but, uh, boy, they were rotating guys in uh, early and often, especially in the second half. So, uh, And that's just going to pay nothing but dividends. Uh, you know, Riley Bowman again, Shane Bowman in there. Um, I didn't notice Levi Anuzrike out there much. Did he? Uh, did you see him out there at all? No, he didn't suit up, and it's Ryan Bowman. And Ryan Bowman did play a ton of turns. But and Ryan did, yeah. Here's the thing. They played 74 players, Cam, and so yeah. that's that's the most that I can remember uh, Chris Peterson, uh, coach team at UW, playing. So they played 70 at, uh, against Rutgers last year, but again, 74 on Saturday. So, you know, that's, again, like you said, it's it's a broken record. It's just it's building depth. 
is building for the future. But the future can be right now because you lose, you, you're losing some, you know, um, who was it? It was um, Drew Sample went out in the first series of the game for Washington. Yeah. So Will Disley had to come in and do a lot of stuff. You know, I saw Mike Neal plants getting some reps. Jacob Kaiser got his first catch as a Washington Husky. They, they're going to need him now if Drew Sample's out for any significant amount of time. We don't know. Chris Peterson said it's just a leg injury. He'll be fine. So don't know if that means it's going to be a week or six weeks. You know, you just don't know. Amandre Williams, the defensive end out of Tahoma, got some nice reps. Justice Warren at linebacker got some good reps. Sean McGrew got a touchdown. Um, you know, you saw a little bit of his speed, but it's great to get some of these guys. And, you know, welcome to Husky football for some of the guys who've never seen the field before. Exactly. You said it. Yeah, just uh, I don't know if you got any feedback or not, but with the changes in the zone, the new beer garden, any feedback on any of that? I'm not seeing much. Well, the feedback is as far as what we saw on the game day boards, they think the the kind of what happened was kind of a bit of a fiasco. So um, only in the sense that there was a ton of people waiting to get in line to go. And I don't remember if it was for the beer garden or, I mean, but the bottom line is it's going to get sorted out. People need to understand that this was just the first time that it happens. They know they're going to get a lot of feedback on it one way or another. And they'll find that sweet spot where they, where they're kind of serving all masters. But the point stands is that, Jen Cohen and the and, and the people in charge of kind of doing this stuff, Roy Schick and some of these other guys, they're listening to the fans. They're li- you know they got some on the on the advisory committee. They've got you know they've got other people that they're listening to, and they're trying to make the changes on the fly and make sure that this thing works for everybody. But you gotta you've got to be patient. I mean, there are going to be some situations where some of this stuff works as it should, and other times there's some unforeseen things that change how they may have thought things were going to happen in theory. So you just got to be patient. TV timeouts were shortened. Halftime was shortened by five minutes. Did you notice any difference in that? No. I mean, no. Are people really going to notice the difference between 15 and 20 minutes? Pete did. I'm sure Pete did. (laughs) Well, the football team is for sure because that's five minutes taken away from them. But, you know, he would rather see them obviously be taken away in terms of TVs, you know, TV timeouts and, and, and ads and, commercials and all that stuff which of course is never going to happen and he acknowledges that so it's kind of a catch-22 what are you going to do five o'clock kickoff against montana what time did you get out of there chris uh, i was the one last one to get out of there and i got out of there just before one yeah so uh for anybody i was who- the last guy i was the last guy there and i was the last guy there by a long stretch i think even at midnight i may have still been you know one of the few guys i think scott i think scott may have been the second person to leave so Second to last personal league. Yeah. Again, if you're looking for um, Husky football updates in your inbox with our newsletter, send us an email at huskystadium at gmail.com. We'll get those delivered into your inbox. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, and we will get you set up with uh, our updates regularly, any breaking news, and keep you up to date with what's going on on Husky football. Anything we didn't cover, Chris? Well, just that, um, you know, I think, you know, Scott would have covered it a little bit in the recruiting uh, blog that was put out Monday morning, but you know, people should expect that there's going to be more and more official visitors during game weekends now, just because, you know, people are looking, players are looking to maybe make their decisions in mid December. So that's, that's something that people should watch out for. We're expecting a couple of official visitors uh, this weekend. So go to the blog, check that out and you're going to find out the names there. But again, as I talked to, I talked to Softy on Friday about this. People need to be geared in more to the fact that Chris Peterson is having to adjust 
because typically they would want guys, they'd want to be able to roll out the red carpet, right? They'd like to be able to put 100% of their attention towards these guys instead of having to play kind of half of the game, half on them, or, you know, in Chris Peterson's case, probably 95% on the game and 5% on them. Again, I wasn't able to make it to the game. I want to give a big shout out to my son, Kyle. Uh, many of you who know me, uh, I've known Kyle for a long time since he was just, you know, we started in 1997. So Kyle's been going to games for a long, long time. Many of you know him when he was just a little guy, but he's all grown up. Uh, just a spectacular wedding up in Bainbridge Island, up at the Bladell Reserve. He's married a fantastic uh, young lady, uh, Megan. Kyle and Megan left this morning for Playa del Carmen. Uh, they've been kind of a mess for the past 30 days looking at the weather report, all the great weather we've had. And, you know, we had hints of rain that were supposed to happen on Saturday, but the skies cleared for the uh, opening for Husky football and the wedding was at five o'clock as well. So uh, everything went without a snag. And then with the hurricane, a little bit worried about going down there, but it sounds like everything is cleared up down there. So just want to give a shout out to my son. I'm really, really proud of him. And uh, for those who've met him, and or haven't seen him in a while, I think you might be surprised that uh, he's all grown up as much as he is. So Kyle and Megan, you know, uh, I know he'll be listening to this podcast. He always does. He's as uh, loyal a Husky fan as you ever want to meet. And um, when I get his blessing, I'll post the picture. But um, uh, a spectacular wedding, and uh, he had his tuxedo. And if he opened up his left side of his tuxedo jacket, he had the big block W uh, in purple inside his tux. And then on the other side, on the inside in the uh, lining, he had uh, sewn in in big block letters 70 to 21. Uh, I raised him right. So anyways, big shout out to Kyle. Hey, for all of you, you know, we're just tired. You know, Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks. That's all you hear on sports radio. We'll always be here for your latest Husky updates. Uh, and we'll try to do as many podcasts as we can during the week when you're tired of just listening to all the other nonsense. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com if you want uh, updates in your inbox. It's just as simple as huskystadium at gmail.com and uh, newsletter on your subject line, and we will get you hooked up. For Scott Eklund, Luke Monger, Chris Fetters, I'm Kim Grenolds from dogman.com. Go dogs.